The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew. Good evening, Dom. And Thomas Sanherho. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Dom. So uh, our first tech topic of the week uh, is got to be... The big news that's that's out there, uh, that it, it's political news, but we're not going to talk the politics of it necessarily. We might we might swerve by it a little bit, but we want to talk about the the big election, the presidential election, and technology surrounding it. And most specifically, this week is uh, you know, in case you didn't see, Iowa had its first the nation caucus uh, vote, the selection of a of the Democratic candidate. Obviously, the the non incumbent party is the one that everyone's watching. Uh, and it was a disaster. Like this is a, the level of disaster where they're saying, "Well, sorry, Ohio, Iowa, you're no longer gonna be the first in the nation." I mean, there's, there's that level of, uh, which is a big blow to to Iowa and changes perhaps who, who how they campaign in four years and who what they say. And, and so it, this is a big a big deal. This could affect uh, our nation in in unforeseen ways. So what happened? They they use this. They were going to use this new app for iPhone and Android. So it's a it's a it's a cross platform app that would tally the votes. In a caucus, it's you don't go into a voting booth and punch a card. A caucus is people gather in a room and they they come to a decision and they they someone tallies you know the votes of the people in the room and then that gets passed on. It's a much more communal collaborative process. So uh, they were going to use an, an app to do the tallying and submitting instead of paper, which has to be, you know, driven and phoned in and driven and all that sort of stuff. Well, the app didn't work. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about this. There's been there's been that we still don't as we record this Wednesday evening. Uh, we don't necessarily we don't have a definitive winner yet, which is a bad thing because everyone's moved on to New Hampshire by now. and. Uh, they're still trying to point fingers, and uh, yeah. you know, some people have said, "Oh, it's bad coding." Other people have said, "Oh, no, it was uh, a, a bad infrastructure." So, what do you guys think of the, of this, and what does it say about using this sort of technology? Because people have been saying for years, "Oh, we should be voting using our our iPhones and Android phones uh, instead of going to voting booths because we'll get more people to participate." What do you think of all this, and what does it say about that desire? What do you think, Thomas? <laughs> uh, I think if you hired a company that was more than a year old, that had uh, open face investors, and that you actually knew who the board members were, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of ifs here that were really, really poorly handled, uh, I think that if we did this in, in reality, in a real way, it would work. Um, I, I would be completely behind it if we really sat down and made this part of an infrastructure move. But to make it something that seems so shot from the hip and secretive the entire way along, 
Uh, I think that's the that's really the big issue here is that you have a company called Shadow Inc. <laughs> that is supported primarily by a an investment company called Acronym, uh, and it just it just baffles me that this is this is not an Inspector Gadget episode. You know, like right. how did this happen? <laughs> po- political patronage seems to be the, the the up and down the line here. Like this right. was it, they didn't go out and hire you know Google. You know, a company yeah. known for infrastructure and creating apps. Like if if the Iowa Democratic Party had said to Google, hey, can you create an app for us for iPhone and Android that would tally? I mean, this is not rocket science. Tallying right. votes is pretty simple, you know, yeah. problem to solve here and securely transmit them, which that's the big deal is is to mm-hmm. is to have a secure yet transparent process. And they seem to have mm-hmm. failed in that in every in every way. Father, what, what is, what's your take on on both this and on the idea of using apps to for our democratic process? I think it's I think it's a good idea in general, but but I I mean I have to agree with Thomas that this this has to be what, way more thought out and and done well. Um, I was reading through some of those articles, and I mean, along with what they they said was coding issues and and a buggy app and a laggy app and um, the fact that the app was crashing and. Um, it even just said that some people just blatantly didn't use the app. Um, right. So, you know, so I, I think three, three quarters, three quarters of the people that had the app installed didn't use. Yeah, it. That's so <laughs> so, so there's like there's there's bigger I mean, there's bigger issues than just if it was a faulty code um, or, you know, bad servers or whatever. There's also just a, a lack of appropriate communication and teaching on how to use the app. If people weren't mm. comfortable using the app to begin with and just decided we're not going to use it, then, I mean, then the whole process falls apart because not everybody's on board. Yeah. Um, that you know, sounds so, a lot like like uh, what goes on in the church, frankly, as, as those who work in the church, where we have, so true, we, have yeah, we yeah. roll out technology initiatives, we try to get people to use it, and people go, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, and they do their own way. Or they miss they 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 don't bother learning how to use it. Uh, I used to work at a diocese and in a tech in an office where we would try to get people to use technology, and it often felt like like that. So yeah, it's it it's this we feel this in in various areas. I guess a, a culture we need a culture change. Yeah, you, you've got to You got to have buy in from the people, and you've got to have them. Um, and you've got to make it simple enough that that even non experienced users are going to be comfortable using this app if it looks you know, incredibly uh, just not well put together and the, the user interface is, is all kind of wonky. I mean, people are just going to just not use it. And and then yeah. again, it falls apart and doesn't work. So I think there's there's potential, but there's bigger issues than just the, the tech side of things. Well, and I think in a high stakes environment like this too, people are going to immediately drop malfunctioning tech and go back to the way that worked. Right. And, that, and that's the thing you have to remember is that um, that that option still needs to be there and it still needs to be 100 percent functional until the new thing is so reliable that that's the thing that everybody falls back to. And because you saw a lot of people were going back and they flooded the line and they didn't have yeah. enough. So it was on, right. the, on the back end of things when people dropped away from the app, they weren't ready to receive calls because they were expecting people to just use the app. And I, it, it shows a lack of like really well thought out process all along the line here. I mean, it, it feels like a case study in what not to do with election <laughs> yes. technology. You know, for all of we've been like criticizing Diebold and some of these other companies, these big companies that have been trying to create voting machines, you know, electronic voting machines. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they've got flaws and the potential security holes. I mean, this is 
they they started the process like a couple months ago, according to some mm-hmm. reports. They were uh, it was uh, hastily put together, the, according to some reports, hastily put together by people lacking adequate technical experience, rushed out the door in less than two months time. Instead of going through proper app store review processes through Apple and Google, they used beta testing platforms like TestFlight to distribute the software, which is not what you're supposed how you're supposed to distribute even like, you know, silly game apps, never mind something that's at the bedrock mm-hmm. of our democracy. I mean, it just so it's not like and, you said. There, there. I think to to comment on that too, because a lot of people would say, "Oh, well, you don't want this to be a public app or things." There are ways to to oh, get yeah. your app uh, tested and go through the app store code without having it made public. And you can right. you can do that. It, you just, it just takes it literally just takes a call to uh you know to an official representative, and you can get that done. It's not that right. hard of a process. Big corporations already do this. They have internal apps. That go that that go through the app store. I mean, there's a there's already a process for in Apple and in Google for that for mm-hmm. for, for internal apps, but to that the, but also have to go through the review process, which just make sure that they work, that they're not they don't have any malware in them, they don't have they don't mm-hmm. cause basic problems in the in the phones that they're installed on. I mean, just simple stuff like that. It it just the whole thing it makes me worry about this idea. Like I get that. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where you will probably vote not on a paper ballot, but on an electronic device that things will be tallied instantaneously mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, that. And that's desirable. We don't want to have to wait hours and hours or even days to tally votes. We want to. But so much we have so much at stake and there's so much that could go wrong that we've that it has to be bulletproof. Like it right. it has to be. 100%, not even 99%. It has to be 100% bulletproof because if there's even a hint that somebody hacked an election to win and you know people are going to try. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, as soon as it happens it's obvious it's obviously going to be a, a target. But right. I think I think what you have here is uh the the Iowa caucus wanted to be cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And rather than investing in being cutting edge, they wanted to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. And and they cut a lot of corners. And they made bad decisions in cutting corners. And they didn't right. think about the fact that that uh, it, it, so it, it, what they wanted was like a PR piece to say, look at how awesome we are that we're uh, ahead of everybody in doing this thing. And it has bitten them very, very badly uh, right. because of that. And so I really do think they deserve to lose their spot as the front runner. I don't I don't think that the the app is the problem and that they can't they can't just blame it on the app. I think they deserve to lose their spot as the front runner because of the way this went down. Right. But as I, as I was saying before, that that will have from a political point of view, have uh, repercussions just because the way candidates campaign in Iowa for months leading up to the caucus means that they campaign in such a way as to appeal to Iowa heartland voters. And if they're right. not appealing to them, then they then they're going to change the way that they campaign, the way that they try to appeal to folks. So that does have implica- wider implications. Uh, frankly, I think. And this is I'll just make a little little political point. All of the primaries should occur on one day. We are we are at a, st- a technological stage in our country where we could have an ele- one election day. We do it for 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 the regular election, the general election. We could do it yeah. for the primaries, but that's not how we're doing it. I seem to recall. And do you I don't know if either of you remember, but in 2012, during that presidential election on election night itself, the general election that the Republican operation ran into major problems with their get out the vote 
campaign uh, technologically that they that they they had a failure, and some attributed Mitt Romney's loss in 2012 to to in part to that major failure. Do you guys recall hearing about that back then? I don't know if it might be obscure. I don't remember hearing about it. Okay, but I, it's it's I, you always in every one of these election cycles, there's some tech problem, and it's someone's going to blame. Just, yeah, it's just finger pointing. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, it wasn't our fault; it was the computer's fault. You know, yeah, it's like such tech. a convenient way to do things, <laughs> right? Well, and in, in fact, in the last election, a lot of people, you know, there was a lot of vague finger pointing at maybe somebody in in Russia uh, did something to the election to to let Donald Trump win, and the, and, and in some ways, that's the other part, of, the other half of this problem is the vague technology boogeyman where we right. technology is still this scary black box and we like to trot it out as a tool to use to scare people to do what we want them to do so that's that's the downside of another downside of the Iowa caucus result here which is it causes people who are scared of technology to continue to be scared of technology and even when things are fixed and they're done properly but I, I think there's a way to to keep moving forward with it, though, is you at least for the for the time being, you you use the technology, but you have the the hard copy backups and you have I right. mean, and so you, you do both in conjunction, um, you know, with the with the app results being, you know, super quick. But then the the paper ballots and everything can confirm that until we get to a point where we are, I guess, culturally, you know, uh, right. confident in the, the security of these of these devices. Yeah. Well, and and then you also you you look at a, a situation like this where um the code started throwing flags almost immediately. You pull the plug on that right yeah. there. Just pull the plug on it, move back to the system the way it was before, and we're done. And and that's what they they didn't account for that. Like, what do we do if this does fail? And, and they weren't ready for that situation. And that's where people we we have got to get to that point. You've got to be as a teacher. That's one of the things that you do. Like, okay, my PowerPoint is not going to work because my projector bulb went out. What do I do now? Well, right. I'm glad I have a backup plan because I've got 30 kids sitting here staring at me and I have something to do still with them, you know? And you also need, you need transparency. Like these right. companies can't be just, you know, coming up with this magic app that magically does all these things. We need to know what security is behind it and what they're doing and what's the process. And um, because that instills confidence in us as the, the users and the voters as well. They need right. to be open sourced so everyone can examine the code, which doesn't make it less secure. It makes it more secure when you open mm -hmm. source the code. Um, right. And one of the things, Thomas, you were saying, like about you got anyone to pull the plug. That's part of the sunk cost fallacy, which is uh, I'm, we're already too invested in this. We've already yeah. we've gone too far. We can't mm -hmm. back out now. That, no, that 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 thinking has killed, literally killed many people. Uh, mm -hmm. like climbers to Mount Everest, for instance. Yeah, we we're almost to the top. We're almost there. We sh we don't turn back now," said the guy whose body is now a frozen husk on top of right. the mountain. You know, so you got to Yeah, you got to know when to 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 say, "Okay, you pull the plug. We're we're moving on. To, we're going back to the old the, the the old ballots." Do you think we should ever get to a day where voting is as easy as you know sitting on your on your couch and picking up your phone and opening an app and voting? Does that or should voting always be an act where like it it requires an investment of your time and action i i think it it needs an investment of time otherwise i i fear 
voting would just become like Twitter of people just bouncing mm-hmm. their own opinions and not even not even knowing the issues and not even knowing the candidates and just, you know, like actually having to physically go to a a, a ballot, uh, a place where you can can vote, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that automatically says that you are putting time to go to the, the local public, you know, uh, gym or wherever you're going to vote. And and the fact that you're already putting time to go there implies that you've already at least considered what you're going to do and why you're going to do it versus, oh, I'll just pull up this app on my phone and, you know, oh, this guy looks he's got nice hair. So I'm going to vote for him or, you know, right. it I, I think it I think you need that investment. You, the, the, the whole point of the, the election process is we need we need informed voters, not just voters. Um, right. So the, the challenge there is how do you get the, the majority of people to to get informed and to care right that's a bigger you thing. make you make voting day a day off right <laughs> <Official> yeah holiday <laughs> national why holiday is, why is this not a uh, why is this yeah. not a thing i don't understand <laughs> well and, and to what you're saying father you i've i've long been someone who's who has not bemoaned low voter turnout no not because i don't think people should should uh, should vote uh, it's that if you don't feel like you have a, a you know a, a handle on who you should vote for, then don't vote. Don't just go and pick somebody at random. You know, mm-hmm. I want like you said, informed voters. That's what we need. So I I think you know going out to the to a to a ballot to a you know a, a voting precinct or a voting location is akin to uh, you know people saying I'm going to go to church as opposed to just sit on my couch and talk to God. Well, it's mm. really easy to just sit on your couch and talk to God, isn't it? And sometimes we do mo- <laughs> yep. that more or less than sometimes we're watching TV while we're uh, talking to God. And whereas there's an intentionality, there's I get up, I'm get I get you know I get dressed, I put on nice clothes, I go out the door, I get myself in a certain disposition, and go and do it. And I think our civic duty of voting should be like that. So I'm all for having technology eventually in the voting precincts, but I think we should still have voting precincts. That's, that's at least my, my point of view. So another part of the, of the election tech uh, question that's been going around is uh, are, how social media platforms can, prev- can prevent manipulation of the voting populace through disinformation. This was a big thing in 2016. Still it has been ever since then, the intervening four years uh, where there's a lot of disinformation spread online on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and different platforms have taken different approaches. Facebook uh, came out with a policy where uh, they will label stuff as being false, but they're not going to take down ads from candidates, whether they whether they assert something true or false or not. Whereas YouTube has taken a different uh attack there they have said that they're going to uh be more proactive about combating disinformation they're going to uh remove content that has been technically manipulated or doctored in a way that misleads users beyond taking clips out of context um they're go but they'll also uh push use the algorithm to hide content essentially uh, i mean there's so much content on youtube that unless you know, unless the algorithm surfaces it for you when you search for it or it recommends it, you're never going to find it. And mm-hmm. uh, that actually came up for us at SQPN recently when Jimmy Aiken was doing an episode of Mysterious World on the flat earth theory. And he was trying to research what do people who believe in the flat earth theory say and found it very difficult to find their what their content 
because Google, the search engine, and YouTube, owned by Google, were hiding the content from people to save us from it. So what do you think about this? I mean, where do you think the line should be drawn? Is this something that they should be, they, should they be protecting us? Or, or you know, are, is this a big enough problem where, yes, we do need help to prevent, you know, our well-meaning elderly aunt who isn't as sophisticated about technology from passing around memes that are full of baloney? Or is this censorship on a, a non-governmental censorship? What do you think on this one? I, this, I, I don't know. This one's a tough one because um, uh, algorithms are an important part of the way the internet works. And it's an important part of the way search works. Um, you know, the more and more I teach about AI and the more and more I, I learn myself about machine learning and, and algorithms and the way they work, um, there, there is an implicit bias already put into them. And that's kind of the way that they function. And uh, if it really depends, uh, there is a lot of bad information out there and that bad information gets worse when you give it a platform uh, that it didn't have before. Uh, and I'll, I'll just give an example um, for, for me personally, this is not bad information, but this is the way information works. Like I, I do mini model painting, mini figure model painting, like, um, you know, and it took me forever to learn how to do any of this stuff, you know? So when I started, when I first started out, it took me like five years to figure some of this stuff out because I had to figure it out on my own or go talk to people at my local gaming shop. Well, now you can go online, find a Reddit community that's about mini painting and learn all that stuff in like two months, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're going to be as good a painter as some of these guys if you just have the patience and the manual dexterity to do it. And it, it's the, the learning curve is so different because of the internet. But the same thing is also true for bad information, where if you have a certain predisposition to be sort of conspiracy theorist or sort of a, a super granola, you know, uh, live my life without anything that I'm putting in my body kind of stuff. There are platforms out there now that really support people getting that information across. And so I don't know, it's, it's a really, it's a difficult thing to say, like these companies that support that, that, that provide that platform, what is their responsibility to minim, minimize the effect that their platform has in spreading the, the misinformation that's out there? I'm a bit torn too. I, I, I'm a strong uh, advocate for the fact that I don't think that we as human beings should rely on technology in order to receive the information that, that we desire. Um, in the, in the sense that, you know, if I'm only going to, to Facebook to, to find and, and determine my own opinions, I'm basically aligning my opinions with whatever is, whatever junk is, is being thrown on our Facebook. You know, so we have to be very careful as just human beings on on allowing all the information kind of process through our own our own informed and and mature filter to then determine our opinions, and we can't just follow the the current curve on uh, the Twitter trends or whatever. And so I I guess I I don't really I I think I don't know if they should or shouldn't uh, try to limit the, the the false information, but there should be a good avenue to to receive good information. And that should, of course, be the, the major news outlets. But unfortunately, I know a lot of those are, are biased and they don't put out quite the correct information. But, um, you know, so it's we're kind of facing that not just on YouTube and Twitter, but we're facing it, you know, on all the, the news outlets that we, we get our news from. So, you know, I don't know if there is a solution to, to, mm. to a, a news outlet that is giving us 
accurate and unbiased information. And we, we have to kind of all receive that as humans and, and process it and talk it out amongst, you know, our, our, the, the people around us and kind of distill it into, to, you know, to inform our own conscience and our own decisions. Um, but I think if you hide all the, all the bad information, you know, that, that could cause problems too. You can get conspiracy right. theorists, all, you know, going crazy about all the hidden information too. And, and then who determines I, uh, what's good and what's bad? Because sometimes that's a, right. what's true is a matter of interpretation right. of, you know, your, your particular slant toward a, an issue. And that can mm-hmm. be a problem. Like, like pro-life views have sometimes been mm-hmm. suppressed. Yep. Because oh there's you know that's just that's not true no that's true we've got the data nope not true we're we're suppressing yeah. it yeah well yeah and from from a completely Catholic standpoint the the amount of pro family uh pro pro uh, nuclear family you know father mother children uh the, the amount of science that's coming out right now about that about how important it is to have a father and mother and that be a stable relationship in a child's life. Um, it's just kind of, it kind of makes me shake my head because a lot of them are finding, oh, well, it's really bad for both of the parents to be working. One of them kind of needs to be a nurturing, uh, system for the kids. And it's like, oh, really? Huh? So, you know, these years and years and years of traditional family values that are so bad for modern society are actually really kind of good for modern society. And and yet trying to get that news out there through the filters, through the, you know, Mm -hmm. the the mass media and through these, that can be difficult to get it through these. Mm these sorts of filters. And that's the, the trick. One of the things I would say to people is whenever you see something that's making a claim, uh, let me just pull like something false out of the air, just like make something up uh, like that. Greta Thunberg is Nancy Pelosi's a uh, love child or something. You know what I mean? Like, so, so oh, this is, uh, this is meme that says this. It must be true. Look, look stop. <laughs> and then d- is this confirming a bias that you have? Maybe be skeptical of that. Okay. Then go find your own source for it, a, and not like, and, and then look what that source is. Do you recognize that website? Does it seem credible? Does it have a? Does it look, look at the other things it's publishing? Do those seem credible? Or you know, because sometimes I see these satire sites that people are pushing <laughs> stuff on. Yeah, you know, it it just you know, be be less credulous, be more skeptical. Do take some time to think about things. Don't pass on everything that confirms your own point of view, you know, already. Uh, but I found that the thing that helps me the most is to cultivate the people I follow on social media mm. to be good, reliable, level-headed people. That really right. has helped more than anything. Right. Yeah. People, people who aren't sensationalist, you know, that's the, 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 I think that's the thing that really is starting to show through in our political system generally is that it's so much about divisive, um, uh, convoluted, uh, us versus them language that it doesn't help anybody. And, Mm -hmm. and what you, what we really need to do is get back to a sense of, um, you know, what is right, what is true, uh, not pointing fingers at each other about how awful that person is, but like, what, what is, what are our, what are we doing? What is, what is the real issue? How are we as a nation coming together to face that issue? And if we could get that back in politics, it would be so much better. It'd be so it'd be such a relief to have that back in politics. Really, I'm hearing more and more people who say things like, "I just can't stand Twitter anymore because I just can't stand the 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 way it's all about point scoring and attack and snark and yeah, it's all of that stuff is not about building up anything. It's about pulling it apart 
and it's okay to have differences of opinion. It's okay to even to argue, but you're as long, always arguing in the in in the aim of building something. We're mm-hmm. to, to acknowledge you're not evil. We're both good people who love our state, our city, our country, and we're trying to do good. We just have different approaches, and we're trying to figure out how to reconcile those different approaches. Whereas what things are now is you're evil and you must be destroyed. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. really, that's sort of the default on both sides of things now. So yeah. yeah, we have to kind of, and we can't, and I think technology for all, I love technology, but technology has played a role in creating that divide right. uh, over the past yeah. 10, 15 years. Well, or if, if you have to be snarky, if you, if you really just have to be snarky, that it needs to be about everybody. Like there, there should be no like you know. Right. It should be George George Carlin or uh you know yeah. Samuel uh, Samuel Clemens. Like everybody is a target. Does not matter who you are. <laughs> right, you are a target right. for my snark. <laughs> like Johnny Carson was always good for that. Yeah, everybody, oh, yeah. everybody got it equally. But everybody, you did it good naturedly. There's a there's mm-hmm. a like a I'm snarking, but I I still love you. You know what I mean? Right, uh, right. Th- there was there was a little of that in there. Uh, although um, who is the uh oh the 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 oh. Don Rickles, you did. You weren't sure he loved you, actually. Don Rickles, <laughs> but, the, but but you know what I mean. So it's we we need we need to have that. I get what you're saying. We need if we're gonna make fun or poke fun, it has to be good natured, but it, and it has to be equal time. Yeah, that's for right. sure. Or I found, and this kind of relates. Um, if I'm going to use that kind of tactic, and I'm not talking about in the political realm, I'm actually talking about a homily. I'll make fun of myself to make the point. Yeah. Right. So like when I make fun of myself, people can relate and they can understand, but I'm not targeting any single person. In fact, I'm targeting myself and it's, if I'm making fun of myself, that's nobody's going to fault me for that, but they're going to interiorly recognize that. Oh, okay. I I totally get his point because I do that too. Yep. Right. Yep. All right. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about uh, technology surrounding our elections and, uh, the anti-social media and all the rest as we as we go through the rest of the year but uh, it's a, it's a this is an interesting place to talk about it right now with what happened in Iowa uh, so let's um let's talk about uh, some headlines uh, the first headline uh has to do with something that that uh, a Facebook tool that kind of came up in, in in recent weeks although it's been around since last August uh, people are are now for. I think it's got, got a full worldwide rollout. Finally, I think that's why people are talking about it. It's called off Facebook activity, and what it is is it it shows you what third party sites and apps share data with Facebook about you when you go to those sites and use those apps. So if I if I have uh, an app on my phone that I've logged that I've that you know, sometimes they want you to enter your Facebook information to share what you're doing on that app to Facebook. Well, they will th- those apps will sometimes share data about you with Facebook. Okay. That's people don't like that. And and that and that information is often used to build a advertising profile for you. Uh it, now what Facebook has done with this off Facebook activity tool is they've they've given this feature called clear history that can wipe out all the data that so they say we'll we'll see we'll we'll see whether that data actually is deleted but we'll see but it it wipes out that data or as they say it disconnects that data from your account which may be more precise meaning the data still exists it's just not tied to you um 
So that's intriguing. I, I still want to know how this works. Like, I yeah. there, there wasn't much information in the article about how it does this. And, oh, it and the only it? real way to do it is like, like if you switch the person's Facebook ID, which would kind of ruin their whole shtick. So I wonder if it creates an anonymous profile number, like account number, like anonymizes it, and and, oh, and that, it, it yeah, attributes that it work. to that, as opposed to to the individual yeah. originally. So it creates a, essentially a shadow profile. That right. It's just like browsing. It's like private browsing, but private yeah. Facebooking. Right. Yeah. Although at one point all that data was you, and they we and yeah. we know that if you put if you put enough points of data together by your activities, they can. We've talked about this before. They, you can yeah. often they'd still identify you. So there's another part of the tool, and I've done that. I I ran that clear history tool, and you know we'll see what they. Oh, you know if you do this, you're not going to get relevant ads. I'm, I'm, I'm okay Most with of that. us don't even care. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Most frankly. of those ads are for things I already bought anyway. It's like, come on, man. Exactly. I don't need another trash barrel. Just bought one. Thank you. <laughs> just, I just got new shoes. Don't need more of them. Uh, so, uh, but the other part of this is the second part of the tool, which is that uh, you can disconnect all of these third-party uh, apps and sites from your Facebook account. And you should be cautious when doing that. Uh, I I did that. And <laughs> it was a bit of a pain because I have things that need to be connected to Facebook. I use tools in my work for SQPN, say like, uh, that, like uh, there's a site called Hootsuite that allows me to manage all of our social media from a centralized location. Well, all that got disconnected and I had to reconnect all of it. And there's other things like that. And then Certain games that I play, which you know, it's not a big deal, but it was sort of annoying. Like, oh, I can't, I can't do the thing I was doing before because it disconnected, and I have to reconnect it. Although, frankly, a game that makes me connect to Facebook in order to play it is on my short mm-hmm. list of being dis- mm-hmm. deleted anyway. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, the kids, you know, want to play these games too, so I, I, I'm weighing things. But nevertheless. Uh, there were things that it broke that I, I should. So I, I just I bring this up just to kind of warn people to, to it, you know, to, you go ahead and use the tools, but think about it and double check it before you go that this is actually what you want to do uh, mm-hmm. before making this disconnection. Everything is so tied in together these days. It's hard to make make these clear decisions about how to how to deal with it. Yeah, well, there was there was that big that was that big time period where you could log into anything using your Facebook yeah. account or using your Google account. and. Uh, and a lot of those still are kind of floating around, you know, like you're still able to stay mm-hmm. logged into this thing because you logged in with Facebook. And some of them, if you disconnect that now, you can't reconnect to it. Like it, right. Because the way the app was written, they, uh, the OAuth that they used was of a, of a older generation, an age, yeah, mm-hmm. older generation that it, it doesn't work now. And so, right. You won't be able to log back in that way. Uh, and I'll be honest, a lot of these things that where, which was, just you know, oh, just make it easy. Log into our service using your Facebook or Google, even though we don't need to connect us to Facebook or Google. I've now switched most of those over to no thanks. I'll use a, a username and password and keep mm-hmm. that in my one password vault. But thanks, uh, just because I want to be disconnected. I never have really used Facebook for that kind of login, just because I because Facebook is notorious with privacy issues. Yeah. I. Yeah. I uh, I don't even want to pull up my my one password vault because like I mean it's as at that point I will just create a whole new uh right. username and password rather right. than link it to Facebook. Um Yeah. Yeah. Now Apple has this new sign on 
uh, service, which I've I've only just started seeing it being available in things that I use. I use it in one, and it's actually kind of nice because it's like, you want to sign in? Yeah. Do you want to give them your your email? No. Okay. And you're done. Like, <laughs> you're in. There's no confirmation emails. There's no, you, you know, hey, you really should give us your email. Nope, you're in. You're just done. And that is really nice. I feel a lot better about that than I do about the others. Uh, I think I still will take the option of, of managing my own username and password, but I could see where for certain users, it might be easier to just let my iPhone or what whatnot take care of that for me. But uh, we'll see how that goes. So one of the things I do on a regular basis, I actually have a reminder in my, in my, uh, my uh, task management thing every month to go through both Google and Facebook and see what apps are, have I given permission to access my account and to di- disconnect old ones. Because mm-hmm. one thing to keep in mind is, is sometimes these, these services go defunct quietly and then get sold to somebody else mm-hmm. who is not giving you service but still has access to your stuff, and you want to be careful of that. So go through and disconnect old things on a regular basis. That's my if you're gonna, if you're going to do that, all right. And then uh, one other story we want to talk about. This is this is this is a, a only on the internet you know, sort of story. So this guy, so you know how on Google Maps you have you, you can you, when you're driving around you can see where the traffic jams are, and uh, you know, and the way that they figure this out is all the uh, phones of the people driving that are logged into Google Maps. They say, oh, there's a lot of them going really slow on this particular stretch. There must be a traffic jam there. So this one guy figured, huh, I wonder what would happen if I took a little red wagon full of 99 phones uh, a lot, and logged in them all into different accounts and walked along empty streets. Yep, they showed up as... <laughs> As traffic, traffic jams. jam, <laughs> which I've just, I have this picture of this image from um, Office Space when he's driving in the in the traffic, and there's a little guy with the walker like walking along beside him, <laughs> but it's the reverse of that. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's a bit of a he's a performance artist, so you know the performance art. But uh, I, I I could I get the joke. I'm also it's also a little annoying as someone who ha- has in, you know, used to regularly drive in. In bad traffic, especially since what that can do is is can cause rerouting of traffic through areas. Right. Uh, people will start driving through neighborhoods, could cause congestion in certain places, and could even cause emergency vehicles not to be able to get somewhere to help somebody if the traffic has been moved somewhere else. So that's it can be not a joke. Well, especially if you if you if you start to get to the point where it's like a a, a long distance truck driver just you know has twenty Google. Uh, Google-enabled maps running in the back of his truck at all times to keep that, <laughs> that keep road people open. from getting on the same route that he's on. Oh, no, Google, I don't need you to respond to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to give you some advice on that. Uh, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, uh, although what, someone did point out that Google somehow has figured out a way to uh, have, when people are on buses, to not have the bus create a traffic jam. So if there's just a bus on the street with... 40 people all logged into Google Maps, it doesn't show mm. as a traffic jam. So they have some ability to to do that, but they're no one no one's quite sure it's a it's a bit of a trade secret, I guess. So no one's quite sure how they're doing it and how they might be able to apply that to 
performance artists pulling little red wagons <laughs> full of phones. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was a, it was a funny. I have to story. laugh because you could do that all over Cheyenne and it would still take me no longer than 10 minutes to get from one side of the city to the other. Like and I, I never pay attention to those and I don't even know if it's really active in Cheyenne. It might be a little bit, but um, I mean, Wyoming, if you have, you, you need to be able to track if they're, if they're moving cows, you know, up the highway and then, and then there, that's the, there you go. That's the traffic jam. <laughs> oh man. Yes. I am so glad I don't drive into Boston anymore. That's the, I might move to Cheyenne just so I could experience that. <laughs> All right. So uh, we do have a little bit of feedback from last week from our show where we was our uh, one password versus last pass password manager showdown. And uh, we had uh, someone write in and uh, to ask some questions. Um, Dennis Sell sent in an email and said, uh, for a user who's been using the native Safari password manager on iOS and the native Firefox password manager on Windows, how do we migrate to one of these options? The password managers. We're talking about hundreds of accounts, some in both places, and that task has left me feeling overwhelmed and hesitant to switch, as in the interim, it wouldn't work right. So do you have any tips and, and could we cover this? So we're going to talk about now, the the basic answer is, it's hard to move from one password manager to the to another, kind of on purpose, not because they're trying to lock you in, but because they want to keep the password secure. And it would be kind of bad if it was easy to <laughs> to move the passwords in and out. Uh, so, so there's that, but, uh, the good news is that while one password and last pass cannot import directly from Safari or Firefox, they can import what's called CSV or comma separated files. They're, they're sort of like Excel. The data is separated by commas. That's basically uh, how, how it goes. So you have to get the passwords into a CSV and I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes to instructions I found online and how to do that from both LastPass and One Password, uh, and uh, or I mean how to do that from I'm sorry from both Firefox and Safari. That is what I meant to say. Uh, and then then from there you can get you can import them. But uh, there's another way as well, which is um, if if you activate LastPass or One Password, you just start using it. Every time you let Safari or Firefox fill in the password for you, One Password or LastPass will pop up and say, hey. Uh, you want me to save that for you in, in us, in, in my service? And so gradually it will eventually get it. And in fact, after six months, you, you may end up saying, okay, I've got all the passwords I use and the rest are ones I don't really use all that often anyway. So I'm just going to switch over now full-time and turn off the other one. So Right. Um, and and just, so, just so everybody knows, the way it does that is the password field when you're entering it is a very specific field. That's why you get the little dots that show up. And so it's not that LastPass can see it, it just sees that there's a password field there and it has to ask your permission before it can grab any of that information out. Right. And I, I would be really surprised if they didn't make you make a new password and just say, hey, we see that you're entering a password. Would you like us to store it instead? Go ahead and enter whatever the password is that you want and we'll put it in there and they'll do all their magic behind the scenes that uh, fixes it in place. Yeah, it would be nice if LastPass uses that service. They they have this ability that one password doesn't have to change your password sort of behind the scenes without you having to go through all the steps. It would be nice if they did that as part of that process. Mm -hmm. uh, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, so do, what do you guys use for password management? Do you use a password manager? What do you use, Thomas? 
I don't actually. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm a I'm a junkie for really complex passwords that I change every three months, and I have them on a rotating cycle. So it's uh, I, I'm I'm getting to that point where there's just <laughs> just too many for me to keep doing this. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, I I know there's some people who they have a system that they keep in their head, and they can create the password that they need uh, based on that. It's basically it's like a cipher that you have um, right. uh, that you keep uh, mentally, which is. Frankly, the most secure kind of password you can have is is a cipher that mm -hmm. is only exists in your head that creates a complex password. So that's interesting. Uh, uh, how about you, Father Andrew? What do you, what do you use? Yeah, so so I definitely currently use one password, but uh, before that, I would I would do the same thing as I'd have like a um, take some random sentence that I know and then take the first letter of each word and then create like a base password and then modify the ends depending on the website that I was logging into. Interesting. Um, yeah. That I, I may the force be with you is one of my, and I would like <laughs> use the f number four for four and then add a CE to it. Like it was, it was kind of fun for a while, but it became just too much. And so then when I went to one <laughs> password, you know, I usually have it auto generate. And so it's got the, the super complex right. characters and yeah. So I don't, I don't know any of my passwords anymore other than the, my master password. Right. I, I have heard, and I've, I'd like to test it that, the a string of dictionary words uh, like a, like four or five of them is more secure than random a random generated password because there's a i don't want to say flaw but there's a pattern in how computers right now generate those random codes random passwords well and it's not so much that it's just a matter of brute force i can if if your password's only seven eight characters long i can right. brute force it a lot faster sure. than a, a 22 character long thing and it's, it really ticks me off when i have to go to a website oh. that requires me to have an uppercase <laughs> lowercase number and symbol in my password which makes it harder to remember than an a 22 character long password that i can come up with and have for all of my stuff they just mm -hmm. don't want to they i don't know i don't know i don't i really don't know why the system is set up that way, but there's a whole XKCD comic about it, which I'll share with yeah. you guys. Make sure that, uh, <laughs> yeah, correct horse stapler battery. That's <laughs> yes. Yes. But, uh, that's, yeah. that's part of, that's actually one of the things that triggered my memory of that. Uh, and, yeah. uh, yeah, the, the, the other thing, which I think I mentioned in the, in the last week was the, the whole problem of you can only have an eight character long password. Like that's the limit is like, why <laughs> this is for my bank. Yeah. <laughs> I want a secure password. Uh, right. so anyway, um, and then just as a follow-up of some news, uh, we mentioned last week that uh, LastPass has a native Mac app, that you know, a desktop app for the Mac, and didn't have one for Windows, whereas uh, 1Password has native apps. Well, LastPass has announced they're actually dropping support for the native Mac app, and so they're, they will, you will only be able to use it in the browser through a universal web app. So that's uh, some, just some food for thought on however you want to take that. All right, so uh, let's maybe move on to our picks of the week. And I first will throw it to you, Father Andrew. What's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week, uh, I wanted to do an Echo Show because I just got one of those, and then I realized that you just did that as a <laughs> pick of the week. So I, um, so a friend of mine actually got me a, a Globe Electric Wi-Fi enabled smart bulb, um, mm. which connects to my Echo Show. So that yep. was kind of a fun thing to to do. But it's it's basically a light bulb that you plug into your lamp or normal just a normal socket. But it will, um, when you plug it in and turn it on, you connect to it with your phone using the Globe app, 
and then you connect to the to the light bulb, tell it to connect to the Wi-Fi network, and then you have complete control over that light bulb through the app. You can change the color, you can set a schedule on when it will turn on and turn off. You can do cool things like, you know, have it be a theme sort of color. So I think right now mine is on ocean, so it's got a, it runs through a different cycle of blues. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and you can create your own, you can, you can do, you know, do all sorts you can, yeah, red alert, red alert, um, you know, but you can control it from anywhere. So, so some good, useful, practical applications, um, for me, I have it in my office. So I actually have it turn on when the office opens and I have it turn off when the office closes. So it kind of matches and I don't have to worry about it, but you could use this sort of thing for like, you know, put it in your living room and the lamp. And so when you're off on vacation, you can still have it turn on and off automatically to let, you know, like make it look like your house is still being occupied and deter, you know, any potential robbers who think your your house might be empty, you know, so you can do those sorts of things. And um, yeah, it's just kind of a cool thing. I'd never played yeah. with a smart uh, light bulb before. And and it's it's quite, quite fun, actually. I, I warn you, it's addictive. I've, I've <laughs> I have uh, smart bulbs all over my house now, and and actually the 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 away thing is really cool. Like the, the when you're on vacation, because you know you used to have the old ones that those old you, you plug in and it has that the uh, the timer that turns, mm-hmm. and you know you hope that the power doesn't go out and screw up the the clock. But uh, but with the the smart bulbs, you can set like random, like uh, turn on. Oh, somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, but like on certain ones, you can do it 10 and 20 minutes before sunset or, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it's, it's kind of neat. Yeah, this is nice because it doesn't require a hub. And that's something the right. Philips Hue bulbs require is a, is a hub. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. And, and a two pack is somewhere around like, uh, it's like 30 something. I thought it was $40. So about 20 bucks a bulb, unfortunately, yeah. but that's actually pretty good for bulbs that you can do color. So that's, that's a, okay. That's a, that's actually not bad. Multicolor bulbs. The, the the hue ones are more expensive, but they're the the brand name. Uh, very good. Uh, Thomas, what's your pick of the week? So I manage a server for a bunch of kids that play Minecraft, and they pester me constantly about, oh, I got banned, or oh, I have this problem, or oh, the server's <laughs> down, and um, I'll be off on vacation for the weekend or something like that. And I am I am not one that says you should do anything while you are away from work, but I like these kids and I like keeping this server up and running for them. So I found this really great um, uh, secure shell software for my phone. It's called Juice SSH and uh, it's an Android only thing. So uh, sorry for you Mac users, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, for Android, it's fantastic. You can store your, um, your credentials and log into a server remotely and do most of the stuff that you can do from a server pretty effectively on your phone. So I can go in and manage the server. If it's down, I can restart the instance of Minecraft for them, or I can unban them after they've banned themselves by accident. <laughs> that and, and it's it, I found it to be really effective, and, yeah. and it's one of those things that I was not expecting out of a out of an SSH app for for Android. But I, I use it a lot. I actually end up doing a lot of stuff on it. I think I saw them using this on Mr. Robot actually. Oh, possibly. Yeah. It, yeah. It's the kind of thing that you could definitely use to to it, it runs a secure shell for the server and yep. you can keep tokens on it. If you want to upgrade to the paid version, the, the free version does really everything you need it to do. And the paid version just adds levels of comfort so that you can store a whole bunch of different stuff uh, more than you would normally need for, you know, if you manage multiple servers or if you have to log into several different things. Mm. Um, that's really what you would want to pay for the upgrade for. But even, even then it's only five bucks for the, the paid version. And that's 
uh, it's not a service fee. It's just five bucks for the paid version. Cool. I think there's a there's a iOS app that does similar, but I, I don't I, I don't have a use for it, so I'm not certain. But I think it's called Prompt, which it gives you a command line prompt. And mm-hmm. You can do SSH from it. Pretty sure, but uh, I'd have to look it up. But that's a really that's a good one. That's uh, very geeky, which I like. <laughs> That's very very geeky. <laughs> so, uh my pick, uh, first a disclaimer. I I got this uh as a a review unit. So I didn't I didn't purchase these myself. But uh so take that as you may. But I I'm honest about it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. But uh we have we got the molecule air filters. And I have to say I have I have a family of asthmatics and allergies, you know, people of allergy and we live in a place, uh, an old house that gets mold, despite my best efforts. And uh, and and frankly, I'm constantly changing the uh, the uh, air filters and the the air uh, system, the heat and heat and AC system. So it, we have a we have a dust and 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 uh, pollution problem here. And we've had them going for uh, about a week now. And we have the full size one that's in the main part of the house. Uh, it's we have a sort of an open cape so it's it's not a big house it's like 1400 square feet and then in my here in my home office i've got an air mini which is a smaller version and so far they do a really good job like when we cook you know if 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 anything smokes at all the whole house is just smoked for for hours usually um and then when we go out, you come home, you're like, hey, that's right. We had curry yesterday for dinner. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> now it really clears the air. I mean, it doesn't clear it like so that, oh, I don't smell anything. But like there are times I walk into into my home office in the morning, you know, especially if the, I've kept the door closed and I come in and it just smells like like when you walk outside and the air is fresh. I mean, it's just it's got that tangy, that tang to it, that that fresh air tang. Uh, and uh, the nice thing is, is the mini is silent. Uh, it has to be if it's going to be in the office because I do, I do this. So you can't. You, I don't want people to hear it on the podcast. And it's really quiet. And then the other one uh, is it can be louder, but it can be quieter. You can set it, you know to to uh, to be silent. And it you it has an app for your phone, uh, of course. Everything does now. And uh, but the the app you can control you know the speed so you know boosted or silent or whatever but it also will remind you when the filters need to be changed um and the filters have a six month life uh, actually i'm sorry there are two filters in the in the big one and uh one of them has a three month life and one of them has a six month life so and and then it can you know warn you oh you, you need to order a new one and you know get that shipped to you and all that sort of stuff so uh i've, I've been happy with it they're expensive they're they're not cheap but if you have need to have clean air for being able to breathe, and I'm I'm looking forward to having a spring where I everyone in my house doesn't have a bronchial infection or, <laughs> or or constant asthma attacks. If you have a need for that, this might be something to check out. So so you know, take a look at it. Uh, so it's the molecule, and I get no, I we we don't have affiliate links or anything like that. This I just got a review unit, uh, and that was that. So all right, so that those are our picks of the week. So uh, before we finish up, I do want to take a moment to, uh, to, as always, thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including this time Michael O., Francisk B., Kenny E., James N., and Eric B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology 
and all the shows at StarQuest. Could you join them, please, by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion about election technology and the other issues we brought up? Uh, you can let us know by going to sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And of course, I'll put links to our everything from our discussion and to our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like us on on social media, as bad as social media can be. We're still there trying to spread some light and some happiness and joy. Uh, so follow us uh, on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We're at SQPN. And certainly leave us comments, like and share and all that sort of thing. Until next time, Thomas Sanherjo, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It was great to be here. Father Andrew Kanstetter, thank you as well. Always a pleasure, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.